When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the crack, never change me and my son the rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm solid, could touch the blue part of the flame, the blue part of the flame. And nothing else. I just wanna roll with those in the bottom. Welcome to Sportfire. The sports comedy podcast that successfully packed 60,000 college students into a tube of toothpaste? I'm your host, Adam Weinerman. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, reverberating around Lee Corso's big mascot head, reminding him to breathe, Florida State's official COVID checking app, Wild Guess, and in the strange and awkward time gap after Kirk Herbstreet desperately tries to wriggle out of picking the game he's calling. Great show today. We've got Henry McKenna, the Patriots beat writer with the USA Today Sports Media Group. We're going to talk to him all about Cam Newton, Mac Jones, and that stunning move. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. Tom Brady and the champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers will open the 2021 season Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. The same essential workers and nurses who made up the crowd at the Super Bowl will once again be in attendance, except this time they'll be in the parking lot pleading with everyone to leave. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott says he's, quote, ready and excited for a week one return to injured reserve. TB12 himself revealed this week that he tested positive for COVID following the Buccaneers Super Bowl parade, but got it all out after 8 to 10 bloodletting sessions. Credit where credit's due, though, as Brady's Bucks announced they have a remarkable 100% vaccination rate. Said Brady, every leader should do what's right, slurp the vaccine. Meanwhile, in keeping with their name, the Indianapolis Colts are at 100% horse paced rate. Colts QB Carson Wentz says he's been kept up at night by the decision of whether or not to get vaccinated, which I guess is better than the alternative, being kept up all night by the novel coronavirus. Wentz, of course, decided no, so that's very much still possible. Bill Belichick assured the media that QB Cam Newton was not cut due to his vaccination status, but instead because we all found out about his vaccination status. Our bad. Number four, Ohio State debuted this past week against Minnesota, and I think their new QB is going to break the school's trend of first-round busts by not being nearly good enough to get drafted. Number five, Georgia beat number three, Clemson, 10-3, and so yeah, maybe Dabo Swinney did keep his promise to stop coaching as soon as his players got paid. Meanwhile, Alabama led number 14, Miami, 27 to nothing before the Hurricanes even crossed midfield. Hurricanes losing steam as they cross more land? What an early 2000s throwback. Thank you, climate change. Heisman favorite Sam Howell and the number 10 UNC Tar Heels lost their opening game to Virginia Tech. Man, wait until Mac Brown finds out that happened. UConn head coach Randy Edsel announced he's decided to retire after his team lost week one to Holy Cross, capping off a 6-32 stretch since he returned in 2017. Using that same logic, Edsel also decided to breathe and sweat today. All of these things he did of his own volition. Plenty of people brought their patented hot takes to the table this week about full college football stadiums by painting them as super spreaders. I'm looking at you, cool new deadspin. But at some point, it becomes very disingenuous to single out college students after an entire summer 
of Pack to the Gills baseball stadiums and preseason NFL games and the US Open, which by the way is indoors when the roof is closed. At this point, you're bending over backwards to demonize students who've lost 18 months of schooling and joy and gotten their required vaccinations while, again, sparing your vitriol for preseason week three in Jacksonville, where there are at least four new variants on every tailgate grill. Somehow, when privileged adults and celebrities are the ones packed into a tennis stadium, they don't get the quote tweets. Huh. No, the pandemic's not over, and no, we are not back to normal. But be a more interesting person than someone who accuses without nuance. That said, if you're not vaccinated by now, you should live in a hole and hire local trained beavers to fetch you food. Just tell the beavers to drop it in the hole. You deserve dog food in a hole. All right, now back to the jokes. Trevor Bauer's administrative leave has... No, come on. No. No more Trevor. Thank you. Also, send him to the hole. And a man who quit his $100,000 job to ask Logan Paul to hire him went viral after Paul turned him down on camera. And then it was time for the man to trudge back with his tail between his legs and ask for his job back as UConn's head coach. Sorry, Randy Edsel. Coming up next, Henry McKenna joins us to talk all things Patriots. Stick around. Pleasure to be joined today by Henry McKenna, the Patriots beat writer at USA Today Sports Media Group. This is his sixth year on the Patriots beat. You have definitely seen him floating around breaking past news in recent weeks, and there's been plenty of it. So, Henry, thanks so much for joining me today, uh, especially this week. It's been a, it's been kind of a weird one for you, I assume. Yeah, all sorts of big news from the Patriots. I also, I, I started to take on more work at my company. I'm doing some managing of other wire sites. So we've got 32 wire sites at USA Today Sports Media Group. I run the Patriots one. I'm overseeing another eight. So it's been uh, a fun week between more work and uh, crazy coverage of the Patriots between Cam Newton getting cut and Mac Jones elevating to the starting job uh all that and really more from from new england well week one uh i appreciate you taking even a few minutes to mess around with me and and um happy to waste your time for a little bit um now i i know you a little bit i i think you did you grow up a patriots fan am, am i right there yeah i did actually i well it's a it's sort of a tricky answer i grew up in a family that didn't watch football so my father grew up a Giants fan but he never watched it when I was a kid um, and my grandfather was a Jets fan and wildly enough my grandfather got drafted by the LA Rams back way back when early NFL days um, to be a tight end and the Air Force gave him a contract at the same time he was a helicopter engineer and so he decided to go with what he considered the safer contract, took the uh, helicopter or yeah, the Air Force job. <laughs> um, but that's a long way of saying uh, I got into football in boarding school in Connecticut and the games that were always on there were the Patriots. So I watched them a lot in the 2007 and eight seasons. And those two there was so much drama. There was so much excitement. It was just two, you know, very impressive teams for totally different reasons. And and I was playing a lot of fantasy football time at the time and got hooked. So yeah, has that been? I mean, so it wasn't necessarily you know intrinsic to your childhood or whatnot. So maybe it wasn't that strange an adjustment. But was it, was it a little bizarre going from 
fan to beat writing? And how did you sort of channel that? Yeah, that's that's a, a good question. So I think there's a degree of establishing professionalism and strong journalistic ethics. But the truth is we're in the entertainment industry. Sports are a form of reality television. And so if you start to get, if you lose your sense of fanaticism, you lose what's at the core of what's interesting about sports. So I think that there's a blend uh, and an important one where you can still be a fan and you should be a fan of the sport, but you should never learn to, or you should never stop being discerning about what you write, why you write it, how you cover the league. Um, because if you're a super fan, you're going to have blind spots in your coverage. And so it's important to ask Bill Belichick the hard questions. So he, he snarks at you, whether, you know, I, I was the first reporter who asked a question following Antonio Brown's allegations of sexual assault, harassment. Um, there was a civil lawsuit and then there were a series of uh, accusations that followed. So I, I asked Bill a question, the first one right off the top of the press conference. Um, I think that's important. And, you know, that's that's where the where the entertainment industry sort of becomes more than just the sport. And I think those are oftentimes where you need to take the fan hat off and really be a good reporter. And so different circumstances call for different skill sets and levels of fanaticism. And, and I think you just you kind of have to be a, a good reporter to use your best news judgment at any given time. Perfect transition. You mentioned, you know, not being afraid to grill Belichick when it's necessary. What is the most uncomfortable Bill Belichick response that you have ever received to one of your questions? Um, well, my friends, so I'll, I'll have two answers for you here. Cause it, cause nobody can ever get enough Bill Belichick, like angry Bill Belichick. Content. Yeah. We, we can do 10 if you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll say more broadly, anytime you're asking a question and he gives you a long silence, sometimes you're on the phone with him in a, in a phone press conference. And so you can't see what's happening. You just, you just like are waiting and it can, those like, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds can feel like an eternity where you're like, oh man, here comes something, something bad for me. Because you know, like he did it today in a press conference. I didn't ask the question, but uh, I think it was Chris Gasper of the Boston Globe. He asked, Bill, you know, you have a history of stumping rookie quarterbacks. Is there a way to like reverse engineer that? Use your ability to stop rookie quarterbacks to help your rookie quarterback. Great question. Yeah. To which Bill Belichick responded, well, I don't know. Tua Tagovailoa is not a rookie quarterback. And it's like, you know, that's not the question. You, that's just a bad faith answer. Like you just totally diverted it to make it sound like someone asked something that they didn't. So just like, it's sort of unfair, uh, and, and that's in those silences, you're kind of wondering, okay, how is he going to like, what's he going to do? Is he just going to shut you down? Or is he going to like cleverly redirect as if you asked something stupid or 
whatever. But like, it's just the waiting that's the the hardest part, as the song lyric goes. Yeah. Um, and then I would say the the you know I I've gotten rid of, I made sort of like a hit my shtick on the beat for for the first few years and and you know more just as much I'd say a little bit less uh, the last few years of just asking the tough questions. Um, so I had some really tough moments in the first few years of the beat last year. Um, my friends turned it into like a meme, uh, where Cam, it was week five. I think the Patriots were playing the bills and they were one and three and they could have beaten the Buffalo bills gone two and three and sort of like brought a little possibility Mm-hmm. to their season making the playoffs and cam newton charging into the red zone or at least near it fumbles the football game over patriots lose it's basically a foregone conclusion at that point they're missing the playoffs and forgive me if i have the details on their record in the week wrong but that's roughly the idea mm-hmm. and um so at the end of the game it felt like a big moment like bill belichick has not been you know, statistically, you know, eliminated or just have it be extremely statistically impossible, improbable for him to be out of the playoff hunt. Like it's been since 2000, you know what I mean? Like even in 2008, when Tom Brady tore his ACL, Matt Castle was keeping them in the playoff hunt. Bill Belichick, obviously, you know, indirectly keeping them in the playoff hunt. So it felt like it should have been sort of an emotional moment where Bill, all of a sudden he's like, holy cow, you know, I'm, my team's about to miss the playoffs and, and the season's just getting started. Um, so I asked him, Bill, when Cam fumbled the football, it felt like a big moment for your season, for the game. How did you feel? And there was the long silence. How do you think we felt, Henry? And then that's it. And PR like kind of like whisks in and they're like, okay, next question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We did not like that. Thank you for trying, but no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like uh, that, that's some audio or like a meme that my friends use to make fun of me. But those are kind of, those are the, the stories that I've got on hand at least. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't envy you in that moment at all. Um, have you noticed a difference over your six years between the Tom Brady era and the post Brady era in terms of the, the team being more open or Belichick's demeanor changing or anything like that? Or has it basically been business as usual for you? I'd say the biggest difference between Brady era and post Brady era is, is actually nothing to do with Tom Brady. It's the pandemic. Um, it, it that in itself has totally changed how we as media can cover it. So it's really hard to compare the two. It's it's sort of apples and oranges where, you know, we were allowed in the locker room um, pre-pandemic and in the Tom Brady era. And I was allowed to go up to Tom Brady, you know, one-on-one. I would maybe get like one of those a year where Brady would be in the locker room. And I was like quick enough to get one second of FaceTime with you know, the greatest quarterback of all time in one of the most sheltering media environments in the NFL, Um, meaning that the Patriots are like extremely careful about how much access every player provides to the media. Nowadays, we are 
limited in that like we can't go in the locker room last year all of the interviews were virtual whether it was belichick assistant coaches um and players this year it's a little different where there's tiered coverage and only certain reporters get approved and um you can get in-person interviews with bill and players but um it's that you submit requests for players and they give you a certain number i've heard that our situation in new england while being the most stern possible protocol, you know, that the NFL allows, like they go over, over conservative to like make it challenging for media members. And I'm sure that stuns no one um, yeah. that they're actually a little bit better than like the new Orleans saints. So the Patriots will actually let us request the players that we can speak with. The saints will just like send six players out every day and it'll just be like, the punter, the third string cornerback, the uh, long, you know, the long staff. Like it would just be like this weird hodgepodge and it's uh, never a good uh, group of players. Um, so different philosophically though, I guess, it's sort of the same where the Patriots, they do everything they can to make reporters' lives challenging as they attempt to cover the team you know holistically they want to control the narrative and and that's and that's sort of on brand from from pre-brady to post-brady because that's that's how belichick does it and and whether you know no matter who his quarterback is you know brady meanwhile he's different like he is more open he's taken on increased branding opportunities um but the patriots are probably more similar yeah, I, I assume as as an outsider that they control everything up to and including the length of Belichick's uncomfortable pauses. He's got like a guy whispering in his ear, being like, "Another <laughs> second, let's go, let's go, another second, <laughs> hold, hold, yeah, okay, please, now. okay, yeah, release." He's he's mad now. He's mad now. Um, so keeping with the theme of the moment, we have to address it. Post Brady era, of course, there's there was a guy after Brady. There's now a future after Brady. There was a stopgap in between in Cam Newton. His release shocked a lot of people last week. Um, were you as shocked by the outright release as a lot of other people? And, and how did you learn the news was coming? Did you have any warning? So I had, I had no warning. Um, I'd been trying to do some digging on my own and, and getting next to no information on what was happening behind the scenes there. And then all of a sudden it comes out that, that the Patriots releasing Newton, I think Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, you know, the big transaction Kings, one of those guys had it first and the other had it minutes later. I posted it into Slack and literally said, holy expletive, just didn't see it coming. Like I understood that Cam Newton had said he felt he was, one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, but he had been overall presenting this outward sense of positivity about being a mentor. So in my mind, I was like, okay, well maybe Cam is okay with losing the job in week one. Like every football player wants to start, but like in the event, he has kind of already gotten into being at peace with it. That might've been overly optimistic, the sort of it's going to be okay because of how I opened this, which is Cam thinks he's one of the best 32. And 
we saw an Instagram post during the preseason after I think week two, Mac Jones has a great game. Newton barely plays. He posts loyalty. I deserve it. Mm -hmm. We asked him about that. He said it had nothing to do with football. And we were like, um, sure. Okay. And, you know, you try and give a guy the benefit of the doubt, but um, these are all clues that point to, you know, a greater narrative that might be explaining why Newton is no longer in New England, where there's no obvious reason why the Patriots would cut him in my mind. He was clearly the second best quarterback. If he wasn't the best, um, I think Mac Jones was better. He was on a trajectory to far surpass Newton if given all of the attention and all of the reps. But Newton was was there. You know, it was a neck and neck process and competition. And Newton just fell a little bit behind, particularly when he violated NFL protocols for players who are not fully vaccinated and missed five days of work, including a joint practice with the Giants. And that was Mac Jones' best practice of the entire training camp and arguably best work in general, including the preseason, because Bill Belichick talked about these joint practices give the Patriots an opportunity to see more complicated defenses than in preseason. So there are limitations about what defenses will show in preseason for fear of putting too much information on film for their future opponents but a training camp practice is a much safer environment for defensive coordinators because they're not making it public to all the other teams so joe judge and bill belichick are best friends they work together joe judge is giving bill belichick challenging looks so he can get a better evaluation of his quarterback so that's all to say mac jones earned the job cam newton opened the window the door, so to speak. And he should have been QB two in my mind. Something must have happened where the mm. Patriots did not think or he could be a QB two or Cam Newton made, made it clear he would not be a QB two. So the only other thing that could be in play aside from Newton hearing he's not QB one and asking for his release basically is that the Patriots felt Cam Newton's status as unvaccinated would influence his ability to be a backup. And there's some sense in that if you are a QB two, you need to be available at any second, at every second, you're basically in bubble wrap, you know, you're in the meetings and you're, you're running through some of the reps, but practices are non-contact. So there's basically, there should be no reason you get hurt ever. Mm. Unavailability is like an injury. So if Newton's unavailable for five days because he misunderstands the COVID protocols and violates them, like he did in training camp, then he's injured by Bill Belichick's standards. And if he's gonna stay unvaccinated, he is uh, liable to a sterner protocol than vaccinated individuals and thus more likely to be unavailable. So that's sort of the logic. It's basically saying that being unvaccinated makes you, it makes it more likely that you are unable to do your job. And that's what the Patriots all are all about. Do your job. 
Yeah, do your jobs back. It's it's so funny what the, the lengths the NFL goes to make it very clear that it's like, you look, you know what? It is a personal choice. But again, if a mistake is made, it could easily result in a cascading flow of rocks where your job is still in jeopardy. Cam, you know, this is as of this record, this was like an hour or two ago. Cam also said he's got a video coming this week that will address everything. Do you have any idea what that's going to be about? Is that going to be inflammatory or just sort of more classic Cam social media behavior? I can't. So the biggest thing is that Cam still wants a job. That was one thing he said. I'm not retiring. I've got more football to play. So if he's going to like, just imagine a scenario where he puts Bill Belichick on blast. Yeah. Is anyone going to sign Cam Newton after that? <laughs> I'll like, throw a couple go, dollars to his GoFundMe, but I know I do not think I would sign him. Right. So then you're so then you're kind of like, okay, you know, the, the quote that Cam said was, I have a lot of things I need to get off my chest. That sounds like, again, if we're going back to what narrative is possible, that sounds like if if Cam was told that Mac Jones would start and he asked to get released, and maybe there was some sort of like disagreement. Um that would be like Cam's opportunity to vent and like set the record straight. But there's been no actual substantiated report that anything like that happened. That is, that is mere speculation. So, so like, I don't know. It would just, it just would seem like a PR nightmare for Cam Newton to come out with, with some sort of like venting about the Patriots. Now he could do it like tactically tactfully where he's like speaking in generalities about like, you know, disloyalty and like, you know, how like promises get made and then not kept in this league and blah, blah, blah. That might be like an okay way of getting around specifically like waging war, but like, you know, the media will, will put two and two together and frame it in a way that it is just that. So he's got to be super careful and, um, as someone who really likes Cam Newton and wants him, wants the best for him, uh, I hope that he is careful with what he posts on Friday. I hope that he gets vaccinated and I hope that he gets a job as soon as possible. Yeah. Do you think he will play in the NFL again this season? And, and if so, what do you think that next stop looks like? Yeah. The fact that he did not get signed within a week or so is a bad sign. And, um, the question I will then ask you is how many quarterbacks get hurt? Because that's kind of the only way I see this happening is Deshaun Watson, who is facing, um, I believe, over 20 allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault. He is this bizarre situation where he could get traded at any point and be someone's starting quarterback because he's not on the commissioner exempt list, which he should be. Yeah. But that's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll have so to have he, you back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, so he's he's a quarterback that could be on the move for a quarterback needy team. Um, and then there are plenty of teams that are two quarterbacks deep or three quarterbacks deep. At least they think that they are. Um, but that usually means that they have three bad ones. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know that Cam has an obvious landing spot. I, when he first got cut, I suggested Washington for the Ron Rivera connection. Mm -hmm. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt, that's like 
that uh, Newton would be perfect to step in there. Um, Denver, because Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are both like, meh. And then um, who else did I propose? Um, well, Dallas was maybe interested in him as a backup to Dak, but I don't know that Newton would really want to just go and immediately be a backup. Um, I guess I got to look back at my notes, but there were maybe one or two other teams. The fact that none of those teams showed immediate interest, you know, maybe that's why Cam's trying to get back on the radar and like set the record straight or, or at least express his side of the story, which is why he, he wants teams interested. Um, but yeah, I kind of think the only way he ends up on a team is if a, a team or two or three, they lose their quarterback and, and he's in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I can't believe I'm about to use my Friday afternoon to watch a Cam Newton Instagram video, but <laughs> I definitely am going to do that. I, I will, uh, I'll leave you on this. Um, Mac Jones is the guy. Cam is no longer in the picture. The team has fully moved forward. It seems as if the ceiling has definitely changed and the floor might not have. What do you think that the, the current ceiling and floor for the 2021 Patriots are now that they've officially made this decision? I was just doing the Patriots Wire podcast, which yep. everybody should listen to. Please do. Uh, it's over on PatriotsWire.com where you can find all my work. We were talking about best case and worst case scenario for this season. I think it is, I think you you put it, I hadn't actually thought of it that way, um, which I should have, but um, I think you put it well. Is like the, 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 Worst case is about the same, which is that they are a middle-of-the-road team who misses the playoffs, kind of like last season. You know, they did finish 7-9 and nine last season, which almost surprises people because they were a really, really, really untalented football team last year. <laughs> um, but this year they're much more talented, so it's a question of whether and how quickly that talent – coalesces into not just a pretty piece of paper, pretty depth chart kind of situation, but actually good football team. And, and most people will trust Bill Belichick to put it together, but like, let's be honest, Bill Belichick does not know how to find receivers. You know what I mean? Like, it, yes, obviously he found Wes Welker. Obviously he managed to get good value for Randy Moss. Beyond that, like, Julian Edelman came out of nowhere. Cool. Danny Amendola, whatever. I mean, like, but they drafted Nikhil Harry. They drafted a number of, they've really never drafted a good receiver, truly. Um, actually, no, but in the last decade, they haven't. I'll, yeah. I'll add that. And so they added two receivers in free agency. We'll see how good they are. They were not particularly impressive in training camp during practices. They added two tight ends, Hunter Henry and John o. Smith. Again, honestly, not that impressive in training camp, even though they're both tied for the third highest paid salary per year at $12.5 So this group of skill players, in theory, especially when looking at the finances, should kind of coalesce and be like this really impressive bully ball, power run, play action offense that sets up rookie quarterback Mac Jones for a really successful and efficient season, maybe even a rookie of the year season, maybe even take them to 
the Super Bowl season if literally everything goes well and the Patriots defense is one of the top three defenses in the NFL. So that's kind of like, I could see that somehow being the ceiling where, you know, but I, I guess Cam Newton could in theory be, be capable of more. I guess you just like with the uncertainty of Mac Jones, you can kind of like project you could, there's more room for projection and for growth of a, of a quarterback, particularly one who I'll add had an amazing amount of development from spring practices to right now. I mean, it was dramatic. And I, I, I don't exaggerate when I say that every day he genuinely looked better. It was remarkable. So for a player like that, you really, you are, I would say allowed to project really high um, ceiling and Cam Newton, you just, you saw last year that like when things around him aren't good, he wasn't going to succeed. And I thought that this year, the things around him would help him succeed. And so they would do a lot better. Um, but yeah, so I see what you're saying. Worst case, they missed the playoffs and maybe by a lot. Best case, I really do think they, they could go to the Super Bowl. I would probably only give it a 10% chance. I tend to agree with you. Uh, the The football season really snuck up on me. I don't. I mean, probably not you as much as it did me. And the, and the Newton release was really the first moment that like snapped me back into reality. Like, all right, season's around the corner. Got to get ready. So thanks for coming on, helping us break it down. And I really appreciate everything. Henry McKenna, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Search Henry McKenna or type in at McKenna Analysis. M-C-K-E-N-N-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S. And then all my work is pretty much on PatriotsWire.com. Um, that's where you'll get all the latest Patriots news. You'll get all my good columns. You'll get interesting lists about fantasy football and, and really everything you need to know about the Patriots. Um, that's where you'll get it. We even have a podcast, as I mentioned. It's excellent. Make sure you listen every darn week. Yeah. Subscribe to both. Do a little subscribe for subscribe. Uh, Henry, thanks for joining, man. Thanks for having me. Henry McKenna, check out the Patriots Wire podcast. Check out all his work over there. Uh, again, I, I really can't believe I'm about to watch that Cam Newton video and play my day around it. But I definitely am rooting for the best for Cam in all honesty. And like Henry said, get vaccinated, Cam. And now my final flame. As week one of the NFL season approaches, I want everyone to think about how far we've come in a year. In September 2020, we were terrified of COVID, watching our sporting heroes crash errant passes off empty seats. In September 2021, those passes are thudding off the metallic cheeks of investment bankers, and the COVID numbers are actually way higher. Huh. Anyway, what have we learned? I've certainly learned to appreciate what I have while I have it and not a moment too late or too soon. On time appreciation only. That's the singular lesson of this pandemic. I've also learned that the greatest winner of our generation, Tom Brady, and the greatest loser of our generation, Donnie Wahlberg, can somehow coexist on the same astral plane. Maybe Brady truly has saved his best for last. And maybe Wahlberg truly has finally finished cleaning my gutters. Oh, nope, missed a spot. I've learned that even in an era of complete polarization, the simple things still hold true. A great pass rush can still beat a poor offensive line. 
no matter how explosive that offense is supposed to be. Oh no, I just realized that perhaps this too was because of politics. Maybe the Bucks pass rushers threw the Chiefs blockers off their game by freely giving their thoughts on Muslim refugees. Scratch that, I didn't learn that. I've learned that a father and son sharing a hot dog shouldn't be illegal, even if they start from different ends and meet at the middle. I've learned the value in looking at a weekly blimp. I've learned that if you fill every seat in an NFL stadium with a cardboard cutout of a person, it can only get about 80% as loud as normal. I've learned that even without a single fan in the stands, they still won't let me fire a gun into the air. I've learned the electoral college must be abolished. And I've learned the one thing that never goes out of style is good old American ingenuity. And also vintage t-shirts from like Arbor Day 1997. This weekend, football is back. You'll be able to slap your friends back again. A little harder this time. A little too hard. Make your friend really feel it. Come on, make a hand turkey on his scapula. You'll be able to cheer, scream, and or yell. You'll be able to do the hot dog thing with your most brittle boy. And make it count, because you never know when it'll all get taken away from us again. Probably like October 12th. My thanks to Henry McKenna. See you all next Thursday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.